Chapter One of Tracked by a Tattoo by Fergus Hume. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter One The Crime on the twenty-first of june in the year one thousand eight hundred and ninety-four mr fanks of new scotland yard detective was walking down the strand between the hours of seven and eight in the evening in the character of octavius rixton of the west end idler it may be as well to repeat here what is no doubt already known that this individual led a dual existence he earned his money as a detective and spent it as a man about town east of trafalgar square he was called fanks westward he was known by his real name of rixton but few people were aware that the idler and the worker were one and the same nevertheless of necessity four or five persons possessed this knowledge and of these one was crate a brother officer of fanks who had worked with him in many cases and who had a profound respect for his capabilities banks had obtained this ascendancy over crate's mind by his skilful unravelling of the chinese jar mystery this especial evening rixton had cast off the name clothes and personality of fanks and in propria persona he was about to treat himself to a melodrama at the adelphi theatre as he was passing through the vestibule at a quarter to eight a man came forward and touched him on the arm to the surprise of rixton he recognized crate you mentioned that you were coming here this evening mr rixton said this latter who had been instructed to so address his chief on particular occasions and i have been waiting for the last half hour to see you what is the matter crate the subordinate beckoned rixton to a quiet corner and in a low tone said one word which made him dismiss from his mind the idea of attending the theatre on that evening the whispered word was murder where asked fanks assuming the detective on the instant down tooley's alley man or woman or child man i think a gentleman when was the crime committed between six and seven this evening in a house or on the street in a house the red star public house i know it said fanks with a sharp nod a cut-throat place at the bottom of tooley's alley the assassin chose an excellent locality poison steel or bludgeon the first i fancy there are no marks of violence on the body but you had better come and see for yourself i agree with you return to the red star crate while i go to my rooms to change my clothes i am rixton at present and i don't want to mix up my two personalities expect me in half an hour crate departed with prompt obedience and rixton drove off in a swift hansom to his chambers in duke street st james in ten minutes he had assumed his detective clothes and fanks personality in twenty he was returning eastward and at the expiration of half an hour he was standing at the door of the house wherein the crime had been committed such promptitude was characteristic of the man tooley's alley is a narrow zigzag street which 
beginning at a point in drury lane twists its way through a mass of malodorous houses until blocked finally by the red star hotel it is a famous rialto of rogues and vagabonds for here they most do congregate and here come the police when any especial criminal is wanted by the law an evil district with an evil name a plague spot which cannot be eradicated either by law or by religion there are many such in london and of all tooley's alley is the worst it was plausible enough that a gentleman should be trapped robbed and murdered in this quarter but it was more difficult to surmise what errand had brought a gentleman into so dangerous a neighbourhood a gentleman done to death in tooley's alley fanks scented a mystery the red star was a gorgeous gin palace all gas and glare and glitter it was licensed to mrs boazoff a widow whose character was more than suspected by the police but who contrived by a circumspect demeanour to keep on the right side of the law by virtue of her position her supposed wealth and above all by reason of her talents she was quite the queen of tooley's alley why she should have been permitted to hold her disreputable court in this hotbed of crime was best known to the authorities but hold it she did and made money out of her ragged subjects in the neighbourhood she was popularly known as queen beelzebub attracted by the news of the murder a mob of raffish men and slatternly women had collected round the red star but the presence of four policemen prevented them from entering the bar and drinking as they desired to do banks had no need to push through the crowd for on recognizing him they fell to right and left to leave him a free passage under his keen gaze a quiver of fear passed over many of the brutalized faces and here and there some especial rogue scared by the memory of lately committed crimes shrank back into the shadows lest this man who personified the law should discover and punish fanks was the nemesis of tooley's alley the god they desired to propitiate and he was at once hated and feared by his debased worshippers after exchanging a few words with the guardian policeman fanks entered the house and was met in the passage by crate and by mrs boazoff this latter who appeared to be between forty and fifty years of age was a slender and pallid-faced woman with almost white hair smoothed back from her high forehead she spoke habitually with folded hands and downcast eyes and her voice was low and soft with a refined accent one would have taken this demure figure clad in a plain dress of lustreless black for an hospital nurse or for a housekeeper yet she was as the police asserted the most dangerous woman in london hand in glove with thieves and rogues not for nothing had she gained her reputation and queenly title well mrs boazoff said franks abruptly this last scandal will add largely to the excellent reputation already gained by your house no doubt of it sir replied the landlady without raising her eyes it is most unfortunate and most unexpected certainly most unexpected sir the detective looked at her sharply and noticed that her fingers played nervously with the stuff of her gown also he heard a tremor in her voice as she answered now mrs boazoff was not easily upset 
yet as Fanks well saw only her unusual self-control prevented her from having an attack of hysteria for many men the circumstance of the crime having been committed in the house would have accounted for this Fanks was too well acquainted with queen beelzebub to give her the benefit of the doubt she was disturbed by something more than the mere fact of the murder do you know the man he asked keeping his eyes fixed on her face no retorted mrs boazoff with suspicious promptitude i never set eyes on him until this evening and with this hinted defiance she stared fanks boldly in the face when she saw that he was watching her twitching fingers they became motionless on the instant only one conclusion could the detective draw from this behaviour she knew more than she would own to and she was afraid lest he should find it out after another look which discovered nothing for she was now on her guard fanks turned sharply to crate where is the body upstairs in one of the bedrooms was the murder committed in one of the bedrooms no mr fanks it was committed in the room at the end of this passage and why was the body removed out of that room i removed the body said mrs boazoff in a low voice you had no right to do so rebuked fanks sharply it was your duty to leave things as they were when you discovered that a crime had been committed and to give immediate information to the police i did so sir the police were in this house ten minutes after i saw the dead body nevertheless you found time to remove it in that ten minutes i thought it best to do so said mrs boazoff obstinately no doubt i shall not forget your zeal was fanks rejoinder the woman could not repress a shudder at the ironical tone of the detective and her pale face turned yet paler however she passed discreetly over the remark and turned the conversation briskly shall i take you upstairs to see the body sir no i shall first examine the room afterwards i shall hear your story and inspect the corpse come with me crate still preserving an impenetrable countenance mrs boazoff preceded the two men into the little room at the end of the passage it was an apartment of no great size furnished in a scanty almost in a penurious fashion a window draped with faded curtains of red rep faced the entrance there was no fireplace and the furniture consisted of a mahogany horsehair sofa placed against the right-hand wall looking from the door a round table covered with a stained red cloth which stood in the centre of the room and on either side of this two chairs a crimson felting carpeted the floor and a few racing pictures crudely coloured adorned the salmon-tinted walls beyond this the room contained nothing save an iron gas-pipe suspended from the roof by which two jets flaring in pink globes lighted the apartment fanks glanced slowly around taking in every detail and walked across to the window it was locked the curtains were drawn the blind was down as it was too dark to see the outlook fanks turned to mrs boazoff for information what does this window look out on to a yard sir is there any outlet from the yard no sir excepting through the kitchen where the servants have been all the evening when you entered the room and discovered the fact of the murder where was the body huddled up on yonder sofa sir 
was the room in the same state as it is now in precisely the same state mr fanks wait a moment interposed crate you told me that you took some glasses out of the room mrs boazoff darted a tigerish glance at the detective which revealed the hidden possibilities of her nature however she replied with all possible meekness i quite forgot that sir i did take two glasses off that table recalling crate's remark that the deceased had probably been poisoned fanks was rendered angry and suspicious by this action but as it was a mere folly to quarrel with so clever a woman as mrs boazoff he made light of the circumstance and observed casually that no doubt the glasses had been washed and put away yes sir assented the landlady they were washed out and put away by my own hands i have always known you to be an extremely tidy woman said fanks ironically two glasses you say then there were two gentlemen in this room between six and seven there were two men in this room between six and seven replied mrs boazoff making the correction with emphasis two men you say and they came to have a chat by appointment i think so sir the white man came at six and the black man arrived an hour later ho ho said fanks rather taken by surprise so one of the men was a negro i see and who lies dead upstairs the white man sir and the negro assassin what of him we have no proof that the negro committed the crime mr fanks protested mrs boazoff forgetting her caution for the moment there are no marks of violence on the body of course not said fanks with grim humour no doubt the white man died a convenient and natural death while the negro for no reason fled in alarm i am obliged to you for the suggestion mrs boazoff probably it is as you say not sufficiently clever to see the irony of this remark crate looked surprised but the woman was clearer-sighted and seeing that she had overreached herself by saying too much she relapsed into silence the detective feeling that he had scored smiled grimly and went on with his examination of the room the body was on the sofa you say he said after a pause yes it was tumbled in a heap against the wall and the glasses were on the table on the table and on the tray were there any signs of a struggle not that i saw mr fanks can you describe the appearance of the white man no stop i'll see his body when i go upstairs what of the black man he was a tall burly fat creature sir just like any other negro how was he dressed in a black opera hat dark trousers brown boots and a long green overcoat with brass buttons said mrs boazoff concisely rather a noticeable dress said fanks carelessly have you ever seen the negro before no sir nor the white man i never saw white or black man in my life till this evening by this time the patience of mrs boazoff was nearly worn out and her self-control was gradually giving away she evidently felt that she could hold out no longer for after replying to the last question she left the room suddenly but that fanks interfered crate would have stopped her let her go said the former we can see her later on in the meantime he continued pointing to the table what is all this 
Crate bent forward, and on the dingy red tablecloth he saw a number of tiny black grains scattered about. "'It's a powder of some sort,' he said. "'I told you that I thought the man had been poisoned.' Even as Crate spoke, the gaslight went out, leaving them in complete darkness. "'Ah!' said Fanks, rather startled by the unexpected incident. "'Mrs. Boazoff is fiddling with the meter.' "'What the deuce did she do that for?' asked Crate, as his superior struck a match. "'Can't you guess? She saw these black grains on the tablecloth and wants to get rid of them. That is why she left the room and turned off the gas. She hopes that the darkness will drive us out. Then she will explain the incident by a lie and enter before us to relight the gas.' "'Well,' said Crate stolidly, well repeated fanks crossly i shall never make you understand anything crate before lighting the gas she will pull off the tablecloth and scatter the grains do you think she's in this mr fanks i can't say yet but she knows something you get a candle and hang this match cried fanks it has burnt my fingers as he uttered the exclamation the match still alight dropped on the table among the black grains to which allusion has been made there was a flicker a sparkle of light and when fanks struck another match the grains had disappeared gunpowder said the detective in a puzzled tone now what possible connection can gunpowder have with this matter to this there was no answer and by the glimmer of the single match the two men looked blankly at one another End of chapter 1 Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California